Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Well, it's been all about uh, women's cricket in this country, but now our attention uh, turns to, uh, this weekend in particular, women's football. And uh, it's the Matildas against the Football Ferns in a two-match series in Townsville uh, and then in Canberra. And it is a vitally important series uh, looking towards uh, next year in particular when both of these uh, countries, of course, host the World Women's Football Cup. What an amazing and massive event that will be, and uh, no one better to talk to about both of these sides and, and women's football in general uh, than former Matildas coach, former football Ferns coach, former USA coach, uh, Tom Samani. Tom, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, really cool, mate. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, actually, before we start on the Matildas and the Ferns, I wouldn't imagine there's, uh, in terms of women's sport, there's a much, many more high-profile and pressure-driven jobs as coaching the USA women's football team. Uh, that would meet, would have been a hell of an experience for you. It was a great experience, yeah. But it, it's interesting when you talk about the pressure because um, because you're, you're both you're like off of the best team in the world, generally, actually I found the pressure a little bit less. I found more pressure when I was on the opposition bench playing against the US <laughs> because you know you were coming up against the best in the world. So, yeah, it, interestingly, um, I kind of had, I felt the pressure a little bit reversed. Uh, Tom, interesting too, uh, as we stand now, the last uh, w- big uh, women's football engagement, of course, was the Olympics. Uh, the USA didn't win that, the neighbours did. So where would you, uh, this far out from the Women's World Cup, who would you be looking at uh, in terms of, uh, I won't say a winner, but, but uh, you know, those profile teams? That, that's a great question, because I was just talking about that the other day. Women's football reached the stage now, similar to men's football, where there's potentially six or seven winners of the World Cup. You know, I think the US have got a slight edge, but the edge now is slight. And you saw that at the Olympics when they came third, but really, uh, I think they only maybe won one or two games during that tournament. So I think the situation now, Spain has really come forward in the last three or four years. So Spain, France, Germany, Sweden always play well at big tournaments. Canada obviously have won a gold medal at the Olympics. Um, and, And on in any given day, along with the US, any of those teams can beat each other. Okay, let's look at uh, this matchup, which is uh, quite a mouthwatering one, actually, uh, when uh, the Matildas take on the football ferns. First of all, in Townsville. Um, now, let, let's uh, look at why these teams don't play more often. I mean, uh, I would imagine it certainly would benefit us. Uh, I guess opportunity is the thing. We've had a couple of years of COVID as well, which just put the cog wash on a lot of things. But uh, wouldn't it be beneficial for both these teams to play more often, you think? It, it was huge, you know, if I go back to my time in charge of the Matildas, 
when John Herdman was uh, the uh, the Ferns coach, we used to play each other regularly, probably twice a year. I think the challenge now, though, is that the way the game's gone and, and players are now playing professionally all over the world. You know, and back in those days, the Kiwi players were generally in New Zealand, the Aussie players were in Australia. So it was really very, very easy for us to play against each other and really valuable. But now the players are scattered all over the world. It's actually a major challenge to get both teams playing against each other and get both teams either down into Australia or New Zealand at the same time. And it's also a very expensive exercise. So the dynamics have changed a little bit. Um, but like you say, if the two teams can play each other more often, the better. And I, I watched the game the other night, the under-20s, uh, young Ferns and the young Matildas played each other. And I think it's really important at that age group that there's more cross-connection between the two countries. And that would really help the development of both countries. As you say, it hasn't been easy to get uh, complete squads together, which hasn't made the job easy for relatively new coach and Jitka Klimklova coming in to take over uh, the White Ferns. How have you made the White Ferns development under, under Jitka so far? I think she's done really well, and she has had a really challenging oh, situation. Not so much in getting the players together. The, the big challenge that Jitka's had is being able to get the staff together um, because it's been impossible for most of the staff who are New Zealand-based to be able to get overseas. So she's had to, you know, scratch staff together from other places and other countries. And then you sort of lack continuity, which, which can affect performance and affect, affect things around the team. But I think she's done a really good job because, you know, she's played, they've played in the last three windows. They've had really good and, and varied competition. And she's had an opportunity to, you know, play the established players, but also have a look at some of the up-and-coming players. Um, and I think that's been really valuable to her. Uh, how would you expect the series to go then? Um, when you look at the makeup of both sides, I, don't, I think there's a couple of defections uh, out of um, uh, the, the football ferns, Abby Utsig in particular. So I, I just wonder, uh, how would you think this match-up will go over those two games? It's interesting. I think, you know, uh, Abby Ezek and CJ, CJ Bott are both missing, and that, those are two big losses for the, the Ferns. But I think, you know, I think the great thing the Ferns have got coming into this fixture is that they've played in the last three windows. So they've had some time together. Um, most of the players are in season, so they, they've been playing, so they're, they're not kind of rusty. Um, the Matildas have had some, some uh, you know, they had a poor Asian Cup. They're under pressure. They really need to try and get a result, and particularly get a result at home. So, if anything, you know, if the football firms can start this game well, I think they could cause a little bit of an upset. The Matildas, uh, with what's coming up uh, in the next um, 14, 15 months, of course, culminating in the World Cup, uh, are they sort of a flag bearer for Australian football at the moment? The Socceroos seem to be underperforming a wee bit. Oh, 100%. <laughs> You've not hit the nail on the head. They've also got a higher profile, I think, than the, uh, the Socceroos. It's, it's interesting. When I had coached the US team, the US women's players are the higher profile than the men's players. And that's exactly the situation um, being mirrored in Australia at the moment, where the Matildas have actually got a higher profile and are more visible and more well-recognised than the Socceroos, um, which is a great thing for women's football but also puts them under the spotlight a little bit and put them on, puts them under pressure a little bit. And, um, and we've seen, uh, in, you know, in the recent tournament in the Asian Cup and some friendlies last year, 
you know, the performances haven't quite matched the hype. So they'll be under pressure in these games to do well against New Zealand. Let's look at um, why it's so strong, why the profile is so strong uh, in Australia then, Tom, if we can. Um, I, I just wonder, the, the, the Women's Football League, is that part of the... Is it part of the secret to success for women's football in Australia? I think it certainly helped because what, what it's done is it, it's given the, the game a domestic profile. So it's given sort of recognition and then that gave a, a, a grounding for, a, for the Matildas players, particularly the young Matildas players like a Sam Kerr going through the system. Um, and then I think the other thing that's helped is that somebody, you know, you have the one player that gives your sport a profile and in this case it is Sam Kerr. And she's become, you know, if you like, famous on the world stage. So that that in itself then attracts attention to the Matildas. And then there's a spin-off that benefits the rest of the players and benefits the Matildas brand, to quote a, a, a marketing term, which I don't like to do. <laughs> mm. Well, it's going to be pretty important, of course, the marketing side of it, uh, with uh, with a view in mind of what's coming up, Tom, of course. Uh, I've, just getting back to the, the Women's League, of course, the introduction this year of... Uh, the Wellington Phoenix, we, we found it quite exciting because it was something completely new to us. There were a bunch of young girls making a commitment to head overseas, spend a lot of time away from their family, no home games, of course. Uh, and, and so we found it quite a, a, a really progressive mood for New Zealand, New Zealand women's football. Fantastic move. An unbelievably great move. You know, we've tried for some time to get the Phoenix in the league and after much negotiations last year, uh, they managed to achieve that in the team and the staff did an unbelievable job. You know, they were based just south of Sydney, where, where I, I live, so I managed to get down there to their games and, and to some of the training sessions and, and things like that. And they did an incredible job. When you consider the team was, you know, put together in the blink of an eye, when you consider, like you say, a lot of young players heading off overseas for the first time, being away from home for about five months, in that full-time training environment that they've never really had, um, and having to gel together and go into an unfamiliar competition, you know, they did. You know, I can't, I, I can't use strong enough words to praise how well they did on and off the field. Great ambassadors for New Zealand. The other teams and other players in the league really admired the the effort and the commitment and and everything about the team. So great job. Talking to. Us. Very high-profile uh, women's football coach uh, Tom Samani uh, this morning, which is fantastic. We've got this opportunity. Uh, we're looking at uh, the football ferns up against uh, the Matildas coming up on uh, Townsville and Canberra. You know, when you look to promote a World Cup, um, Tom, you have to you have to base it around a lot of individuals as such. Uh, you, you you don't like the marketing term, but that's the fact of the matter. Uh, who are the players? Who are the players? Uh, in terms of um, the football ferns that we'll be looking for to be standout performers on a world stage that we should be looking to market? Well, I, I, think, I, I think there's a, you know, there's a group of young ones coming through that hopefully, I, I don't want to mention any names because it, be, it could be the case of death for them, but I think there'll be one or two younger players that will really break through in the next, um, you know, the next six or seven months, hopefully, for, for the team. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's a great opportunity for, for the established players, you know, like, a, for example, I think Hannah Wilkinson, who did exceptionally well in the W League this year, I think, you know, somebody like her, um, it's a great opportunity for them to really sort of shine at home and, and to really, you know, um, 
represent women's football uh, in, in a fantastic way, both on and off the field. And, and there are several players like that uh, around the, the Ferns team that I think can do that as well. And, and hopefully that happens over the next, uh, you know, 12 months or so. So, so, Tom, just finally, what's a result? What's a good result for us over the, these next two games? What's an encouraging result? I, th- I think an encouraging result is if a team gets a draw, I think that's an, an, an incredibly encouraging, uh, in, encouraging result. I think the important thing, the most important thing for the team is to be competitive. You know, I think in these games, I try not to get too carried away with, you know, the, the actual result. A win would be fantastic. But I think it's really important that the, the team is, is competitive um, and that the scoreline is tight one way or another. You're a perfect guy to actually. I, I just want to finish by going back to the US women's team because they have been the flagship. I mean, for me, I, I think they're probably the, main, the most high-profile women's sporting team for a long, long time and set the benchmark, which also incorporates, you know, the, the rights or, or, and, and the, not, not so much the rights, but... Um, the benefits and the pay scales and things like that. Now, they've fought very, very hard uh, to a point where I think they're either on equal footing or they're ahead of the US men's team. Uh, but it's been a battle for them. It's been a 25-year battle. You know, when I had the Matildas, we had a relationship with the US in the mid-90s when I first took the Matildas job. And, and they were fighting for women's rights then. So they had those pioneers fighting all the way through. So for 30 years... Those players are 25 years. Those players in the in the groups that uh, that have followed those, you know, um, players in the 90s have have constantly been fighting for women's rights. And and they are they're the benchmark. They're the the ones that the other teams and other countries have to follow to push for for equal rights and for you know to be treated to be treated fairly. And and particularly now now is the time to do that because you say World Cup coming up next year. The profile of women's sport, the number of young girls that are playing soccer is, is phenomenal. So, you know, if anything, it's now is the time for, for female players to actually, you know, go in there and, and really fight for, for a fair and equitable deal when it comes to playing soccer. Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your update. And uh, we look forward to this uh, two-match series, uh, a chance to see them uh, play against Australia and, and of course, uh, the World Cup was not so far away, and we'd love to be uh, at some stage before then catch up with you again. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Love to do that, and I really appreciate the call. Thank you. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.